Hello and welcome to Talking Events. Uh, my name's James Dixon and the podcast studio is today set up again in the fabulous um, surroundings of Twickenham Stadium. Um, we were invited very kindly by the events and hospitality team here at Twickenham to, um, to come and set up the podcast studio and record a batch of episodes here for a couple of days. So we should start today's show by thanking them for their hospitality and for that information and for giving us the opportunity to invite our guests into some fabulous surroundings. Um, and on that note, on to today's guests and on to today's subject. Um, first of all, we're welcoming back to the Talking Events studio, David Boswell from TSG. David, thanks for joining us again. Thank you. We're welcoming for the first time to Talking Events, Alex Leake from Carlisle Support Services. Alex, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me. And welcoming back into the studio, uh, Nick Howden from All Access Communications. Nick, thanks for joining us. Oh, pleasure to be here. Um, Moving things on from last week's discussion where, where David and, and Nick joined us last week to, to, to look at a very specific element of uh, event security um, and the services that, that TSG provide. And, and David, shortly, we'll, we'll give you an opportunity to just quickly recap what that is. Um, we're going to talk today uh, about event security in general, where we are with it at the moment, what's changing, what's differing, what we're paying a little bit more attention to, perhaps with a, a certain slant towards sporting events, because Alex, I know that you've got a, a, a area of expertise, certainly and rich experience in the sporting yep. arena. But let's start by quickly recapping. First of all, David, who are TSG? What is it that you guys do? Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, I'm the managing director at TSG. TSG is an organisation uh, newly launched last year. We provide trained and experienced uh, personnel resources uh, to respond and manage all that mainly sits outside the remit of conventional security. Um, the, uh, the impact factors of that um, can allow us to go in and substitute or supplement police resources or be um, a significant support aid for um, existing security arrangements on the ground. Excellent. And uh, Alex Leake from Carlisle Support Services, tell us a, a little bit about uh, what your company does. Yes, um, I'm the um, sector director for events for Carlisle Support Services. We're based in, in Luton and have a, a rich heritage of supporting um, sporting venues uh, with stewarding and uh, security. Excellent. And uh, Nick Howden, back into this Talking Events studio again. Just uh, give us a, an overview again of, uh, of your background in the industry. Um, I, yeah, I um, used to report on events um, for sort of 13-odd years, um, sporting events, um, with a, a big focus on, um, on security elements, as um, you know, in, in the context of uh, events in and around London and around the UK, and actually into Europe as well. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm an observer rather than a supplier, um, of, and, and I now run my own PR company called All Access Communications. Super. So we so we all know who everybody is and what everybody does. Let, let, let's <coughs> let's be quite broad in the start of today's episode and um, ask, perhaps with you, Alex, first of all, where we currently stand and where we are uh, as an industry with our security arrangements for sporting events. Um, We've got a major sporting um, event taking place this summer over in France. The European Championships are over mm. there. There's been a lot made in the consumer press, certainly, about the security arrangements for that particular tournament. Um, you deal with the security arrangements for a number of sporting events and, and different clients. Mm. W where are we with things at the moment, and how have things changed in the last six months and in the last okay. five years? Um, I think if you take the last six months, obviously the uh, problems in France have highlighted for the UK sporting uh, network um, some serious problems. Um, what, what I'm very pleased to say is that the response from those venues has been incredible in terms of taking ownership 
of the realities that might potentially um, encroach into the UK. And I'm very pleased to be associated with the Football um, uh, uh, Safety Officers Association. And I've seen firsthand uh, their concerns and how they disseminate information uh, from the uh, anti-terrorist uh, unit. Uh, and there's, there's clear, clear evidence when I've attended meetings for um, large sporting events that, that, that this is taken very, very seriously. And I think you've got to consider then everything that, that's done in the industry now has a cost implication. Mm. And it's useful to know that those establishments are taking that head on and supporting the needs that are identified not only by the police um, but as, as, a, as a consultative approach into those venues identifying how they need to operate. And of course the, the key thing for everybody is the visitor experience. That's mm. got to be maintained at all times. Um, a, a lot was, was made after the, the tragic events in, in, in Belgium and in, in, in Brussels about the communication between their intelligence services and the police services within that country. What we should perhaps highlight is the fact that at, at events and at sporting events, a lot of the time the security and the stewarding and the access, the ingress, the egress and the safety within those events is being dealt with by private companies. Um, what current sort of experience have you got of working with the police services with the intelligence services and how is that line of communication in our own country? I, I think it's excellent actually. Um, my, my first hand experience has been attending the, the blue light meetings where the constabulary are involved from the very very start of build up to any event and supporting that venue with invaluable information. Um, the venue owners and, and the management will always seek that support from the constabulary. Uh, and they take guidance from them um, and in those meetings we will then support that guidance process in achieving the, um, the ambitions and the goals for, for each individual event. And, uh, and Nick, uh, as somebody who's observing events, um, uh, have, you, have you noticed a, a shift in, in how security companies and, and events and venues are managing their, their security as a whole? Um, we, I think we'll, we would all be in agreement in saying that we, we never want to sort of, scaremongering is not something that anybody wants to do, but by the same token, I know over in, in, in Paris, they've staged mock attacks and things like that to help um, response teams actually prepare for those sort of incidents. Is it something that you've seen UK event organisers or events of any description uh, uh, undertake, or, or what's our level of preparation like? I think the preparation's really good, <clears throat> and the liaison um, between um, security organisers and the local police is always very good and the information share um, through the Gothic um, initiative, which is a, a mm, voluntary yeah. um, initiative run by the, the police, uh, relatively recently introduced, I think is a fantastic step on. And so I think that while you don't necessarily get um, the mock-ups of, of things happening in live events, the preparation is, is very, very good. Could you just expand a little bit for, for, for people listening who may not be familiar with the, 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 what Gothic is? Well, Gothic is a, um, an information share, so there's a slightly sanitised version of what the police information or intelligence is, is given out to um, event organisers. So, and if there is an incident around Festival X or Event Y, that there's some, in, uh, some information that there might be a, a particular threat, they will be, you know, in, they will know what's going on, they will know by and large what the police know. And uh, there's, a, there's been a big buy-in by the event community to that. Mm. And it's a, it's a credit to the, to the police that they've 
bothered to, to do that, I think, because they're doing it of their own time, of their own volition. Um, and I think that's great. D David, I, I know that uh, your company, TSG, are relatively newly launched as, a, a, as an entity, but um, are you uh, aware of, of Gothic and what interaction have you had with, with that so far? Mm, absolutely, yeah, and, and, and fully support the, the idea. The, the, the information sharing, I think, is going to be absolutely critical um, between all agencies as, as, as the years progress. Um, and, uh, you know, any, any improvement to that is, um, is always going to be encouraged. Um, Operation Gothic, I think, is, is, is great as a central hub to disperse that, that, that information, sanitised, albeit, um, you know, to organisations like security, like venue, venue owners, um, event, event organisers, uh, so that we can then best prepare our resources working together um, to, to, to balance the threat and risk assessments. How is that information being passed back from yourselves, uh, Alex, as a, as, a, a, as a service provider to your actual clients, be that the venue, be that the event organiser? Well, it's interesting you mentioned about mock-ups. Um, one of the processes we go through with our, with our customer base is they want to see what various aspects of the search process looks like. So we've had, on, on a number of occasions, had to mock up how it will look like for the public arriving at a particular venue. Mm -hmm. And our clients want to see that first because they want that warm, cuddly feeling that their customer base, their experience, isn't going to be altered in any way or they feel threatened by that process. And thank goodness that the, the UK community now that visit uh, as, as, as now known that when they arrive there is this process to go through and it is for their own safety and benefit. Um, when we look at the stages of, of security at uh, a sporting event, um, I don't know what the precise terminology is, so, so correct me, but, but you know, when we have preemptive, you know, the, the ingress into a venue um, and then perhaps the responsive element that if something does go wrong, mm. how are we going to deal with that? Right. Um, what are we changing in terms of the, the um, preemptive checks, the preemptive security when we're getting people into venues right. now? First of all is the, the element that, that is unseen and those are spotters and strategic people uh, in locations at entrances looking for specific profiles of people. Um, what they're watching for is in effect them trying to make an entrance and then wonder why they're moving away and the first thing that they will encounter is obviously a, a strong presence in that process so it's deterring so that's the first thing you see. There are then different levels of um, stewarding staff. There is a, a whole raft of people that are trying to churn and move people around. You'll see now more barriers outside the sporting venues to try and channel people in through the processes. And of course you will see patting down and bag checks, which is something relatively new. And is that being done on a 100% level? Um, from an observation point of view, Nick, have you seen increased levels of things like bag checks of, of, of searches you know other examples now where this is being done on a hundred percent of people coming into a venue without any question it's, it's certainly much more common in venues now <clears throat> and that's uh, obviously as a result of what happened in Paris mm. uh, interestingly though the um, on right on the back of the, the Paris terrorist attack the first major event in this country was um, England playing France at Wembley mm. and that was a demonstrable kind of this is what we can do uh, and don't mess with us message. Um, and it's that, I think, is filtered down. And obviously, I mean, it, it cost a lot of money and it had the army and helicopters in the air, police everywhere. And that, But that was an example. And I think that that's being translated and has to be taken on by organisers in the way that they now deliver their own 
um, sort of event security solutions. Can, can we sustain that, though? Because no. surely there's a huge, there was a huge cost involved in that, wasn't there? But that was an example. I think that's what, that's what I mean. That was the, this, this is the, the absolutely sort of best-case scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but, and everything else you see from that is it's an indication that everyone has ramped things up, and whether that's subliminal or not. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's the inference that everybody, this is what we're showing you we can do, and everybody is reacting to this kind of level more discreetly. And I think that was the message that was coming out there. Well, whilst we might not be able to sustain it quite at the level in that particular example, um, but it's important that we should highlight that as the example. And, 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 yeah, and, uh, but it was, it was, it was demonstrable, set. and that was, the, yeah. that was the thing, yeah, yeah. Is there now, though, Alex, uh, uh, um, a drive to increase security in terms of physical numbers of security and how difficult is it to do that in, in major sporting venues? When we're talking at some of the biggest stadia that are available in this country, we're talking to thousands of bodies that are required to stage any quote-unquote normal sporting event, aren't we? The, there is uh, a certainly a marked increase in numbers. But I think one thing's got to be taken into consideration, uh, and that's the event itself. For example, a, a Saturday event will be more family orientated in principle and the lead in time to capacity is, is wider so therefore you've got more opportunity to channel those people in again the visitor experience on arrival is much more smoother but for example a midweek football fixture mm. um, which is early evening you've got a much smaller time so your operational um, delivery model has to be slightly different to manage a sudden influx of people and you mentioned um, the uh, bag checks. Um, again, at this stage, for most of our venues, it is specific to certain profiles of people. We do believe ongoing that that will start to increase to a more general checking. But the interesting thing is that the venues now do state on websites uh, and, and information that they actually won't allow bags on, onto the mm. site. And, and, and where is... Where does the spectrum start and end when it comes to the time and the influx of people? Because as you pointed out, a Saturday event will have a, a different demographic to mm. a midweek event. Um, the, the midweek event will also naturally have a shorter period of time within which people are actually gaining access into that venue. Does that change at all um, a security provider's operations? Do you change the way that you do things? Do you have to put more people in there? How does it work when you know you're gonna be dealing with a small window of opportunity or quite a large one? Um, what your experience is of that? I don't know if David's got experience of that. Or yeah, no. I mean, the, the, the simple answer would be yes. You know, your your <clears throat> your deployment schedules, um, you know, would would have to mirror, um, you know, influxes of people and, and and where the threat and risk is is, is at its highest, and you move with those windows. Um, so you know, if you if you're going to have a short burst. Um, you know, a high density, you know, come into a venue, then you have to have the resources to be able to manage those effectively but safely, as well as providing everything from public reassurance and the ability to react to any spontaneous occurrences, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to, you know, an influx o- over a weekend where that, that in- ingress would be over a, a, a wider, um, a, a, a lengthier part of time. Uh, how does it change, using that as, as an example, the actual time within which people are gaining access to the venue, but also the types of crowd. We've, you know, we could have a football crowd, we could have a, 
a tennis crowd. We can have a uh, horse racing crowd. How do how do the types think, of crowd differ? I, I think obviously you're talking about demographic. And I think that's certainly um, you know an, an area to highlight in, in regards to our resources as TSG. You know the different types of events say. Um, you know the, the demographic if they're quite young um, if, they're, if they're quite excitable um, for example if you had uh, you know a, a crowd management um, provider like Carlisle they're responsible for, for the ingress checking those bags etc what provisions are in place to ensure that the crowds on approach um, are, are behaving I know Alex said about you know spotters etc and mm, you know and I yeah. would encourage that aspect but yeah. in terms of being able to if, if, if there is a, a, a possible problem seen or a threat um, then, then how is that how is that responded to how is that reacted to how is that removed from the equation and, and that's where um, a resource like us not saying as a as a tennis match because again all, all different types of events will have their own threat and risk assessment but say if it was a football um, you know sporting type event where you know you could get rival crowds for example we would be a resource that would be perfectly matched for something like that to um, deter and, and respond to pockets of, say, antisocial behaviour or, 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 or certain certain risks or threats mm. to support the security arrangements in place dealing with that mm -hmm. ingress. Nick, it looked like you had something to add there. Well, just that I know that another thing that Gothic does is it might highlight and it might say to security, actually get out there and check some people in the queue, and mm. it will it will it will deliver that information beforehand, so they will get the. Uh, get enough people to do that and that will change the, the brief so rather than just being within the walls they might say actually can you go and have a chat or, or have a pat down in the queue and they've got a, and the security teams are, then need to be able to respond to do that and like David says whether that whether that brings in another element or want for another element is an interesting uh, part of the discussion mm -hmm. I think. To just put you on the spot, Alex, um, we uh, introduced our guests uh, to each other prior to, to the recording uh, of the episodes, and we always get everybody in a room prior to, to hitting the record button so that we can familiarise ourselves and introduce it and identify what each other does. Alex, when, when we introduced you to David today and briefly explained what TSG do in terms mm. of, of essentially replacing uh, special police services, yep. SBS services yep. events, as a provider of stewarding mm. and security... What was your initial reaction to, to being introduced to a private supplier that can replace that police service? Um, I, I was actually really uh, interested in, in, in understanding because um, our experiences to date um, would actually value uh, the services purely and simply because we were, our clients rely very heavily on, on a police presence. And more and more, the feedback we're getting is that the, those local uh, officers through the constabularies are actually looking to withdraw those services. Mm. That puts us at a, I wouldn't say at a risk, but it means that our relationship with our clients is, is that we've either got to uh, look to additional support or in actual fact enhance the numbers to cover the, those elements. Uh, and we've had, com we'll, we'll have another conversation in around certain clubs that I think will be invaluable to yeah. you to support that process. Uh, and Nick, again, I, I keep inviting you in as somebody with, a, with a, an, a, an outside opinion on things, but I think having that perspective is, is very, very valuable. Uh, um, how do you observe uh, the, the potential relationship between the different types of security provider th that are out there and how they could work together in the future? With this, and, and it's, it's perhaps unfair to generalise, but we should say that there is... Um, a differing of opinion between different police forces as to what their involvement should be within any given event, whether that be sporting or otherwise, isn't there? So is there, is there now this opportunity for, for organisations and security organisations to work 
better and more closely. Everyone knows the um, the confines of their own specialism, so it's it's like a bit of a baton situation where you typically would pass from security to police. Mm. There's now it needs to go somewhere because no one's they're not the nature of what the job they do. Mm. Um, it, you know, hasn't changed, so that they're still within their own confines. And there needs to be someone on the other end to receive the baton to say, well, we'll look after that. And I think there is absolutely a gap uh, for a company like TSG to come in and, and, and take it on. Because, I mean, police have got the, you know, the best hearts of the ones I've spoken to all. They know what's right. They, they want to do everything they can, but there's mm-hmm. diminished numbers. And this, let's not forget, this started changing as far back as 1999 mm-hmm. when, yeah. when the law changed effectively. And, uh, but, uh, and so pre-austerity, but austerity has come and, and kicked them very hard into what they can and can't do. So yeah. there, there is now this, uh, there's a river between where the, where the secu- traditional security remit ends and where, um, where the police would come in because they have to. And uh, you've got to put a bridge across that. Within the venues that you work with in Alex, um, with Carlisle, do you, have you seen those diminished numbers? Have you, have you, have you um, been conscious of, a, of, a, of a very much a diminished level? We personally haven't, and that's because a lot of our client base is in London, and those um, areas of, the, of, of London have got, I suppose, budgeted um, support within the, the police fundings. I think it's probably more prevalent outside of London, where perhaps some of the forces are, are strained and under pressure. Mm. Um, but certainly in London, we haven't seen any, uh, and, I, and I guess probably because the London area is probably seen as a, as a heightened target, potentially. I, I think it, yeah. uh, inevitably we, we would have to say that there is a, 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 a higher level of sensitivity within the greater London area, yeah. um, that, that that's, uh, that's simply a case of, of, the, of its location. But mm. uh, have, you, have any of our panel um, seen examples of, of diminished outside of the greater London area? Have you had experiences of looking in other or dealing with other events from around the UK that have had to cope with this I, reduced... I don't, I don't think there's been a huge amount. I mean, there's certainly events that, that I'm aware of that have been quite successful in terms of their you know, police reductions and their approach to that and working with the authorities. But you can only increase security numbers so much um, because of essentially you're not gaining any additional skills or ability to react to situations because of... Um, you know, security is as fundamental as it is. Like I say, the police are there for a reason because they can bring to the table certain things that security um, officers can't. Um, and that's really where, like I say, again, where TSG come into the equation to, to accept that baton in replacement of the police that, that need to move away because of the austerity cuts and, and they just don't have resources in place. Um, so like I say, increasing numbers is all well and good. But I think the, the entire... Um, industry needs to be cautious not to become complacent or be um, or, or have that as an illusion to, as a smokescreen to say well it's okay we you know we don't need the police because we got all this amount of security but mm. in the event of something happening um, you know what capacity um, and capability do those additional numbers have probably no more than what was there before and that's you know instead of going through that method bring in TSG um, to, to, to support the security staff and work very closely with the crowd management company um, so that they have that aid um, in the event anything happens or, 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 the, or, or the daily occurrences that happen as, as they do in the modern age. We certainly don't want to become complacent, do we? But is, is, is what appears to be this shift in how we are dealing with things and how we are managing things actually going to help the police 
to create a better focus for what they do very, very well and what they, they, they need to be doing, rather than, it, it, in their eyes, uh, some of these elements of, of working at events, jobs that they could ideally do without because it's not the best use of their resources. I think strategically it'll be able to, they'll be able to realign their resources. So if, if, you know, if they know that if they've got 100 cops, etc. at an event, um, then, then those are, are resource that they're taken up. Whereas if you had um, another organisation in the mix, such as TSG working alongside you know, crowd management companies, then the police in that local area you know, have those resources, um, you know, at their dispersal to target different areas and, and put back into the public. Alex, could, could I just ask you, I know you mentioned that you do a lot of work within the Greater London area yeah. and with, with a number of different venues, mm. but inevitably I'm, I'm sure you've got experience of working outside of that, 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 mm. that, that yes. area as yep. well. Yep. Um, how, I've, I, I've read that there are quite different lines of, of communication and strategy from police force to police force. Um, how difficult is it moving location and dealing with other forces and, and how different is it working from force to force and working in liaison with those? Is, is there a great gulf in, in...? No, no, there isn't. Um, what I'm pleased to say is that um, the venues that outside of London that we work with openly um, have open relationships with their local constabularies and have specific liaison officers mm -hmm. that attend all of the build-up meetings we attend those as well, so that we're at the, the heart of the, the discussions in and around the needs for that specific event. Uh, and, and I've attended a number of these meetings, um, and I'm, I'm pleased to see that the venue management is taking on board very specific requirements that have been highlighted by the constabulary in respect of that up-and-coming event. And again, very pleased that we've been invited along to support that process um, to make sure that the event runs smoothly. Nick, within, within the UK events industry, where do we sit with our, our current level of security and, and the, the skill with which we deliver it in comparison to European events, to, to, to global events? Um, are we leading the way? Are we playing catch-up with other countries? Do, do, do we think that we set a lot of examples for people? Thank you. Um, I think, uh, well, I think the... the the UK model is very, very good. <clears throat> I think because it's adaptive and it, it, it grows with circumstance and it, and it adapts very, very quickly. And that's because, again, you've got the, you've got the requisite skills in the requisite areas. And, there's, and there are, again, the, you know, the, the management cores of a number of companies drawing from the same pool. So people, SIA licensed um, security operatives, know what they're doing within the confines of that, um, uh, of that license. And, uh, and there's a lot of very, very good people running private security companies who, who will uh, you know, be liaising with the police, liaising with local authorities, liaising with organizers to know what they need to do and what they need to address. So I would argue that there isn't many places better uh, or better equipped to deal with things than, than this country. How are we communicating with, with our peers and, and your peers, Alex, outside of the UK? Is it something that you're involved in? Um, not directly at the moment, but it's something that we're looking at. Um, just touching back to the sort of the European, it's interesting that um, most of the European venues look to the UK um, for, for guidance and consultation, and I suppose um, there are a number of, um, of stadium uh, management people that have, have now gone to Europe and, and further afield because they've been, been poached because of their knowledge and understanding. We are recognised as, as one of the best um, functions mm -hmm. in, in Europe. 
I, I, I'm keen to ask, um, as we progress with this episode, what, what are the concerns coming out of venues and from event organisers when it comes to security? Um, you know, re recent concerns, are there questions that you're being regularly asked, David and, and Alex, as, as service providers? Um, what's cropping up at the moment? Well, it has been touched on earlier, um, the resource. Um, within London and, and the provinces, there, there is only a, a certain amount of, of, of SIA officers, and um, that, that's within sort of a limited pool in locations. Mm -hmm. um, so that is certainly a concern. Um, but we're sort of taking initiatives in, in our training so that we're taking people on and putting them through SIA training so that we're building our own pool. What we are very lucky with at uh, Carlisle Support Services is our parent company is a company called Impelum uh, and one of the divisions is Blue Arrow. So we've got a really, really good facility to tap into um, our, our sister company in, in identifying people in areas so we can actually get two or three hundred people to a location, whether they be security officers or cleaning staff, um, through our sister company, which is invaluable and, and, and perhaps quite unique for us. Do, do we need more full-time people, uh, full-time staff who are choosing this sort of pathway and, and, and working in security for events as a, as a career, as opposed to the, the transient nature of a lot of the staff that make up the portfolios of staff within the various different mm. securities companies. We, we touched on the fact um, that you know some of the stewards and the event stewarding companies, the event security companies, essentially are drawing from the same pool of of, of people. Do we need to drive, go on a drive to get more people involved in this and do it as a career? Well, what's interesting about that is because the venues now need earlier um, support and later support by nature of events. I mean our clients want to open up their premises as for as long as possible because it's cash generation. Mm. Secondary the, stream revenue. Absolutely. But the beauty about that is then that it widens the, 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 the day, as it were, and therefore we're able to offer our officers a longer day. And so people are naturally moving into the full time. And with a lot of our clients, if they don't see that regular face, they think there's something wrong. Oh, it's Bob Hill or whatever. And, and it is naturally turning round so that we're now being able to offer a larger amount of our, our staff full-time opportunities. And, of course, that, that generates all sorts of additional benefits to, to our business. Excellent. And, and from a, a general training point of view, are we at a suitable level? Could there be more done for the various different levels of event security that there are? Stewarding, SIA, the, 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 the almost next tier of, of service that, that, that David and TSG are going to bring to the industry. Um, do we need to revise as a whole those those tiers of training and how we're developing the staff that are delivering those particular services? I think the the SIA, um, you know, in terms of the door supervisors course, I know there's the the, the um, spectator safety. Um, I think they're you know both both of those are you know very good um, and they've done a lot for the industry as a whole. Um, the only thing. Um, you know, in terms of what I would say uh, across the conventional board is the consistency, um, you know, and that being that the, the, the training that, that you need, which is industry requirement, um, you know, isn't as often as, as perhaps you would wish. But then, of course, you know, making those more regular, there are cost implications and how do those costs get passed on, you know, from the individual, you know, is it the security company, would that then go on to the end user? There's, there's, there's lots of different impact factors. Mm. I say what, what is in place is is good and, and, and perhaps maybe the larger 
organisations like Carlo, I'm sure, have their own in-house, um, you know, briefings, sure, you yeah, know, before yeah, each yeah. event to keep it fresh in mind before an event actually well, goes. Going on. back to that sort of transient nature of a lot of the staff that that, that work with these the, these organisations, does that make the delivery of of CPD and continued professional development? quite tricky for an organization like yours Alex um, in principle yes but the fact that the um, that the hours are changing the industry is changing the fact that we've naturally starting to get uh, longer shift patterns for mm -hmm. these people having said that on arrival at any event whether they've worked for us for the first time or for for three years they will undergo that same initial uh, training at the start beforehand that the, and they will receive that every single time that's a standard practice um, because it goes through specifics for the particular event that have been identified and cascaded down. And it's that information that, that's paramount. Uh, and of course, the other thing around our, the service is auditing and having external auditors to check mm -hmm. the individuals. And you're right, that there is some disparity around uh, qualifications and the training. And, it, and it's about retraining, retraining, retraining. It's a fact of life in our industry. That's what you've got to do. Um, but you've got to do it at low and no cost, so there's no impact to the client. Um, I'm just going to throw something in here that, 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 that we found whilst recording this episode, and this is actually from today. This was, this was published eight hours ago by the Associated Press. Um, and it's an announcement, quite simply, that public safety officials will hold a news conference to discuss the planning for this year's Boston Marathon. Um, so they're actually going to publicly state, if I'm reading this press release correctly, um, what measures are going to be in place, the agencies that are involved in delivering those measures, how it's going to be done. And initially, this, this strikes me as something that's being done to publicly say openly, here's what we're doing, A, to reassure people, but also as a deterrent to anybody who may be considering any sort of um, un, undue act. Um, is that something that we could, we could learn from? And is there an opportunity for us to be more public and more communicative in terms of how events and venues are saying that they are delivering their security? I think so. I think the problem possibly with um, the event management industry in this country is that we are perhaps slightly insular. Uh, and there needs to probably be a, a, a platform where there can be a, a, a broader communication. That's certainly something that's very public. And I think probably that will be noted by a number of uh, key uh, venues in the UK to see how they could fit and perhaps roll that same sort of strategy out. Nick, what are your thoughts on, on, on events in general being more uh, open, not, to, not so much open, but actually publicly stating how they're going to deal with things as a means of reassurance and a means of deterrent? Yeah, I think I mean, you need to play to um, generics a bit and say that we're doing this and we, we've got these different levels of security. And I think that's, it's a bit like speed cameras approaching, isn't it, when you get the signs, statistically how many people slow down in light of those signs with no sign of a speed camera, mm, and just the yeah. indication that there's going to be one. And I think there's a lot to be said for that, yeah. We are just about out of time for today's episode. Um, a fascinating subject, one that is going to be very, very relevant in the short, medium and long term. Mm. This is an ongoing um, issue within the industry and something that is going to continue to develop and evolve, no doubt. Um, if you've got an opinion, if you've got a comment, something that you would like to share relating to this particular topic, do feel free to tweet at Talking Events with any comments on today's episode. Um, we'll tweet some links out to the organisations that have been on today's episode so that if any of our listeners have got 
questions to put directly to any of our panelists today and our guests, they can do so. Um, we should round up, first of all, by thanking our hosts again for today, uh, Twickenham Stadium, the events and the hospitality team, but more importantly to our three guests on today's episode. David Boswell from TSG, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Alex Leake from Carlisle Support Services, thank, thank you. you for joining the podcast. Nick Howden, once again from All Access Communications, thank you for coming on Talking Events. Pleasure. You can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes. You can watch it via the Event Industry News YouTube channel and via eventindustrynews.co.uk. My name is James Dixon, and you've been listening to Talking Events. Thank you.